Romans 15, verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, you can get one in the pew in front of you. But let us read this verse together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Father, open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. In these minutes together, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, what has God done in 2019? Has he answered any prayer? Anything changed from the beginning of the year to now? Are you like the believers in Acts 12? Praying and yet not realizing that even as you're praying, God is working and God is answering? Remember that great moment in Acts 12 where the, the church is gathering? That, that mingling that we heard about in, in Pakistan of, of suffering and, and joy just put together? James has just been killed and now the church gathers, praying that God would release Peter from prison. They're gathered together and as they're praying for Peter to be released, do you remember what happens? They hear a knocking at the door. They send the servant girl to go answer the door. And, and it says they prayed fervently. God, would you release Peter from prison? We need, James has died. We need Peter. He knocks at the door. The servant girl comes. And what does she do? Who is it? Well, it's Peter. Let me in. The Lord's just delivered him from prison. She can't believe it. So what does she do? She goes back to tell everybody. It's Peter. He's at the door. It can't be. How could God bring Peter here? There's no way. He's in prison. What's Peter doing? He's a fugitive knocking at that door. And it says he just kept knocking. And they're arguing. No, it can't be. Well, what were you praying for? We were praying for this. And no, it can't. And so at the end of 2019, are we like those believers who are seeing only what isn't? If you're like me, you can be a pessimist. It's easy to see what isn't and miss all that God is doing. But the Lord has given us a wonderful promise, a wonderful verse. I've, this text is my prayer for Jubilee in 2020. Hard to believe that 2020 is upon us. It will be with us in a few days. But as we come to this text, I have a question for you. When you wake up in the morning, are you thirsty? When you wake up in the morning, is it strange to go to the faucet and fill up a cup with some water and take a drink? Is it strange to hustle on down to the coffee pot, get that coffee going, get that first cup of coffee? I don't think anyone here would think that was strange at all, right? Whether it's tea or coffee or just a, a glass of water. We were made to be thirsty. We were made to need to be refreshed. We were made to need to be filled up with food and with water. So we should not think it strange that when we wake up, our spirit needs to be filled. That we are not automatically full of water, so we are not automatically full of the things that this text invites us to pray for, invites 
us to ask God to do because this text is about being filled, that God would fill us with something and it is powerful and it is good and it is a precious promise and a a great place for us to pray this morning. So look at Romans 15, 13 with me. May the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you going to keep going with joy and with peace, but it begins, may the God of hope fill you. Who is the God that we are looking to? Who is the God that we pray to? He is the God of hope, and we're going to see this in a few scripture texts, but, but hope is, is, is part and parcel with who God is. If he is a good father and he is for us, we ask again and again, God, why is life so hard? Why this pain? Why this difficulty? Our sister Dina, just a couple weeks ago, buried her mother. We look and say, God, God, what are you doing there? Why are loved ones dying? Why are they suffering? And yet we're reminded, even as we begin, and I know that 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 homegoing service for Dina's mother was filled with grief, yes, but not grief alone, also hope, because our God is the God of hope. And Paul is praying for the church that they would be filled by this God of hope. May the God of hope fill you. We come empty. Remember that woman at the well we encountered last week that Jesus met. Jesus came asking for a drink, but then saying, no, it's really you, ma'am, who needs a drink. Your sexual sin, your broken relationships reflect a deep heart thirst that you are seeking to satisfy. And we look around and we look inside and we see hearts that want to be satisfied. How much football will satisfy us? How much sex will satisfy us? How much food will satisfy us? Answer, they won't. They won't ultimately. We can keep chasing, but they won't. But our God promises to fill us and our God has designed us with this soul hunger, this soul thirst that he means to fill up. So may the God of hope fill you, he prays. With what? With all, what's the next word? That was a little too loud, let's quiet down. (laughs) May the God of hope fill you with all Joy, joy, joy. What a powerful little word joy is. Think about the opposite of joy. We wake up in the morning and, 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 and most of us, even those who are morning people, don't wake up and say, woohoo, I'm excited, right? Hence the need to be filled. But when we wake up, often we wake up and, and sometimes there's the opposite of joy. I was looking up the opposite of joy and boy, there was a long list of words. There were like, 30 words that came up. There's a lot of things that we can think as the opposite of joy. Might be dejection, gloom, despair. You have something like that going on in your heart and you wonder, what, what, what is wrong with me? What is going on? Why is this the state of my heart? Which again, we liken back to our physical reality. We don't think it's strange when we're thirsty and must run to get that glass of water, do we? 
And yet we were, need, we were made to need to be filled, not just with water, but this right here, with joy. And so when we, when we see these things in our heart, when we recognize these things in our heart, dejection or gloom or despair, he's saying right here, what, where do we look to? What do we do? We ask God, God, you're the God of hope. Would you fill me? Would you fill my family? Would you fill Jubilee with all joy? Now, our world knows about happiness and it knows something about joy. But in the world, joy and happiness are connected most often with circumstance, right? So, it's a season of college football bowl games. Last night, there's a group of people really sad, really despairing. And another group of people really filled with joy. Those that cheer for Ohio State last night were in the dumps. Those cheering for Clemson were filled with joy. And those who hate Ohio State, like Pastor Lou, were also filled with joy. Right? But then the next game, you win one and then then you might lose and suddenly, boom, you're in the dumps. And joy, if based on circumstance, is going to go all over the place because all of us are going through highs and lows again and again. And joy related to suffering is something that our world doesn't know much of. But you go to Pakistan and you see people acquainted with suffering and you also see joy and you say, what is going on? What what is happening? And throughout the word of God, joy and suffering are mingled together. It's not joy that that pretends that suffering doesn't exist, but it's joy that that, that springs up like a plant out of the ground of suffering. You see, friend, you look at 2019, you look ahead to 2020, and you say, oh, I hope there's no suffering. I hope there's nothing really hard. Newsflash, there's going to be some hard stuff. There there will be. And we got to have a right mind of know what to do with this. Think of the Apostle Peter. He, he was ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. Remember that? Even if everybody denies you, I will never deny you. Never, ever, ever. I promise. I double, double promise everything. Swear up and down. I will never, ever cock-a-doodle-doo. Peter, where are you? Well, the Lord didn't give up on Peter. But he did bring him through a training school, Right? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And when we read the first letter from Peter, we read with a man who has been growing to become like Christ in the school of suffering. Every single chapter of 1 Peter is marked by suffering. But what we also see in the life of Peter is how joy and suffering are mingled together. You remember the first part of first Peter 1 he says blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope this great reality this is amazing through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead he's caused us to receive an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled unfading kept in heaven for you What an inheritance we have. And it's in this, he says, that you greatly 
rejoice. There's the joy. Even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved with various trials. There's the suffering. We rejoice even though we walk through trials. And then he gives us God's reason. Why is this happening? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God draws us through our suffering. He gives us a joy that through it he might purify us. He might make us more and more like Christ even as he did for Peter. Peter was a rough character. Some of you know yourselves to be rough around the edges. And your father is working for your good through various trials that endure for a little while as are necessary. Peter says one more thing before he's done. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see Jesus now, you believe in Jesus and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Do you want that kind of joy? Boy, I do. I do. And we pray, God, would you, the God of hope, fill us at Jubilee in 2020 with all joy. With all joy. In the suffering, not based on circumstance, in all joy. I mentioned Peter notes this in each chapter of his book, but just, just hear this to know that the call to walk with Christ is a call to walk with Christ in suffering, and yet there's a, a joy that meets us here. The, the, the message that is so prevalent and so popular that our, our best life is going to come now and God doesn't mean for us to suffer, it, it, it's just foreign to the Bible, right? First Peter 2 he says, for to this, loved ones, you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps, including his steps of suffering. First Peter 3, for Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. First Peter 4, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So we say, God, fill us with joy, knowing that to walk with Christ in 2020 will be to walk with Christ in this pathway that includes suffering. And then he ends in 1 Peter 5, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. He says, there's a little while you're going to suffer, and then the God of all grace will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Why do we suffer? Because when everything is easy, everything is peachy, we often forget to pray. We often start wandering apart from God. One reason why our Father calls us to walk in areas of suffering 
is to wean us from worldly hopes and press us into Christ, into himself. When we face suffering, we can say, God, is this because you're against us? And the answer is absolutely not. One more place we see this and then we'll move on. Romans 8 says this so well. Again, the the mingling of, of hope May the God of all hope and joy fill you with all joy and suffering are just everywhere together in Scripture. Here's what Romans 8 says. It says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you, loved ones, you who are in Christ, you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father, we are his Sons, daughters, he is our father. This is good news. The spirit is doing this work in us. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Do you hear the spirit saying it to you? You're God's son, you're God's daughter. I love you. Yes, yes, yes. Good news. And... If children, then heirs, that is those who will receive an inheritance, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided, don't miss this, because here's where it comes together, provided we suffer with Christ in order that we may also be glorified with Christ. Those who are truly Christ understand this. They say, okay, Father, I'll I'll walk in whatever you call me to walk in for my good. Your work in that song we just sang, so powerful, so powerful, right? And God is calling you, calling us Jubilee, so many different ones to walk through different things that are hard and walk through different things that are painful, but we're walking through them with Christ. And we're walking through them with hope. Because it doesn't just say that we'll suffer with Christ, but in order that we also may be glorified with Christ. Paul continues, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Remember all the glory we saw in John and John praying at the or Jesus praying at the end of John. Jesus, Lord, I want to I want all of my people to be with me to see my glory. He says the sufferings, they're not worth comparing the glory that's to be revealed to us. It's coming. This glory is coming. It continues, for creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and attain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. We we sang the song, you feel creation groaning. We feel the groans of creation in our body, in our world, with, with elections and nations and killings and all of these things. It's groaning. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, we are groaning. Our bodies are groaning. Our aches and our pains, they groan and we who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait. That is, as we hope. Hope for what? As we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons. For in this hope we were 
saved. Are you hoping? Are you waiting for that adoption? That consummation where the Father says, it's time, it's time for the revealing of the sons. It's time for adoption in fullness. It's time to see me face to face. It's time to dwell with me forever. It's time for sin to be done with, for death to be done with, for tears to be done with, for all the fatigue and everything else to be done with. It's time to be with me. That's what we're hoping in. That's what awaits us who are in Christ. And so he prays. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Not connected with circumstances, but above, through, in spite of whatever the circumstance you have walked in or our Father's going to call you to walk in this year. Next word here that's so powerful. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy And next word is peace, peace, peace. You wake up in the morning, is your heart at peace? Hakuna Matata, my problem-free philosophy. Is that how you wake up in the morning? Nudge your wife, go see your kids, go tell your roommate. Hakuna Matata. That's how George Nix greets me when I see him every morning. Don't expect that, but he does. It's great. George, do you know what Hakuna Matata is? I don't know if you know what that is, reference from Lion King, but ask your grandkids, they'll, they'll tell you. Think about peace here again, a, a daily need. We must recognize, okay, there's, I don't have peace going on in my heart. What's the opposite of peace? Anxiety, fear, trouble. Our, our, our hearts are brewing, our, our souls are brooding, they're, they're, they're churning, and we, we say, this is weird, why is this happening, what should I do? Again, if our, if our stomachs are hungry, we know what to do, right? And we know what to do when our hearts are, are not at peace. We say, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Peace, we need peace. One of, my, one of the verses I learned early on as a Christian was Philippians 4. And it's been one gone back to again and again. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. You know this verse? If you don't know this, it's a great verse for prayer, especially 6 and 7, worthy of being underlined and, and, and can just be a go-to morning by morning when you think about peace. I need peace. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord. There's our joy always. And again I say rejoice. All circumstances, every, every let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Verse 5, verse 6 then says this. Do not be anxious for anything. The opposite of peace, anxiety. But in everything, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. All right? So how do we fight anxiety? He says, don't be anxious in anything. But in everything, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So Jesus says we must enter the kingdom of heaven like little children. What do little children do when they need something? They don't fill out a form, right? They don't ask permission. Hey, would it be okay if, could I please maybe in two weeks do this? I'm thirsty, right? 
I got stinkoos in my pants. Help me out. They just ask, right? Don't, don't, don't live in anxiety. Don't live that. Don't let that sit in your pants. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Consider this. God is saying, come on, ask, ask. Make known your request to me. I'm here. I'm ready. I'd love to answer your request. And as we bring them, we come with thanksgiving. So again, we reflect on 2019 and we say, what has God done? Or as, as was mentioned, we look back on this decade and say, what's different now than was January 1, 2010? Well, I think about half of our church was born between then and now, which we're thankful for, right? We've lost some dear ones, some things have changed, but we look back and say, wow, God has been good in a lot of ways, lots of reasons to give thanks. So we let our requests be made known to God with thanksgiving, and then watch the promise. Think about after service, so many times someone shares a, a, a need with us, a burden with us. What do we do? Say, all right, let's pray. Let's go to our Father. Let's present our need to God. And God comes and he meets us. And, and, and verse 7 happens. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why do we pray? We pray because we need to be filled with peace. And when we pray, he comes and he meets us with his peace. So Jubilee, let this verse encourage us in prayer knowing that we don't have joy on our own. We don't have peace on our own. Just like we don't have an IV feeding us water, we have to drink. And we need God morning by morning, day by day, Sunday by Sunday, to fill us with his joy and his peace. Some of us are optimists. Some of us are pessimists. Seeing everything as good, everything as not so good. In either case, we have to fight alongside one another that God might fill us with this joy and peace. Next phrase. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The, the obvious reference here is that it's believing in Christ. He's been saying that all throughout this book that Romans 5.13 finds itself at the end of. The opposite of belief is trusting in ourselves, looking to our own resources, not looking to God. You've heard me say before, prayerlessness is a declaration of independence from God. So a sure way to know we're trusting in ourselves is if we don't pray. Why do we gather to pray? Why do we stop and pray? Because we're believing, right? We're believing that, that God's the one that can do what we need to do, not us. We believe. And we need God's help in believing. In that Christ, the great I am, who we saw all through the book of John last week. In, in believing, we pray, knowing that our salvation is not secure because we are faithful, but because he is faithful. And as we believe and as we call on him, we want to invite others to believe in him as well, right? 
We want those that we love to know him. Those that we love to walk in him. So babies are born, they start growing up. Suddenly we think, wow, I want this little person to know Jesus, right? Then that little person gets a little older and we say, yes, I really want them to know Jesus. Or or we're walking with someone at at JYC or we're we're seeking to mentor someone and say, Lord, I I want them to know Jesus. And and we begin to realize as as we're believing that this this, this thing of of, of loving the the Cindy people or or loving the Manica people, it's not just easy, it's not just automatic. So we're we're praying, but we're we're also struggling. And so we're we're believing, but we're believing and we're struggling at the same time. And so that, that call to worship text that Lou read, we hear this together. Paul saying at the end of Colossians, Christ we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Next verse, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. What's he struggling for? That they would know Christ that they would know his fullness, that they would know his joy. So as we go to pray, we have to know there's a fight on our hands. The last thing the enemy wants us to do is pray believing prayers. But this is the work that God has called us to. This is the privilege and this is the pathway we're to walk in. Later on in Colossians, Paul says, speaks of Epaphras, and he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature, fully assured in all the will of God. Struggling. Why? Struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me, that you and you and I and we would know Christ and we would be believing. Believing is not automatic. Missions is not automatic. When we're excited about foster care and families begin opening their homes to children, that that everything will go great, that's not automatic, right? Believing means struggling in prayer that we would more and more believe and that another and another and another would believe. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that we together would be believing so that now he turns the corner, so that by your own power and by your own ability, by your own self-will, is that what he says? No, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can't do this, God says, right, I can. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Jubilee, do you wanna abound in hope in 2020? Do you wanna abound in hope in 2020? What a promise. What would it be like if God would cause us more and more as a church to abound in hope? Not unaffected by sufferings, but carried through them. Not unaffected by pain or trials or harsh words or relational difficulties. 
but abounding in hope through them, right? Forging through the difficulties, forging through the fire by the power of the Holy Spirit to abound in hope. We come empty and he fills us. We come as children and he says, I love you. When Jesus taught us to pray, he knew that we had needs. He knew that we were empty. And when he taught us to pray, he said, when you pray, pray to our Father. And so Jubilee, we have to know that he is our Father individually and he is our Father together as a family. The opposite of believing these things is Believing truth is to believe lies, and this is our battle. And this is what we're praying for, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would abound in hope. We would believe what is true, not what is false. We would believe that he loves us, not that he is accusing us. That's the enemy's job. We would be fighting to take every thought captive every lie that enters into our mind about ourselves or about one another or about our church or about God, but we run to our Father and say, God, fill us, fill us, fill us in belief that we might abound in hope, not living in condemnation, but being reminded who you are, who we are in Christ. May the God of hope fill you with all joy, and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Two words of application. My prayer is that 2020 would be a year of prayer for us at Jubilee. We want to pray every year, obviously, but my prayer is that we would pray all the more in 2020. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this about the struggle of prayer that we've been talking about. He says, when, when a person is speaking to God, he is at his very acme, his very highest point. It is the highest activity of the human soul, and therefore it is at the same time the ultimate test of a person's true spiritual condition. There's nothing that tells the truth about us as Christian people so much as our prayer life. And so my encouragement my word is that 2020 would be a year of prayer. Where? Well, someone says to me, I want to be discipled. You know where a great place to be discipled is? In a prayer meeting. Come and gather to pray. Come and listen to Pastor Dan pray. He's prayed. He's walked with the Lord a lot of years. Sunday morning at 8 a.m., he's gathered to pray. It always amazed me that I went to Bethlehem or worked at Bethlehem Baptist for, for 10 years, and there are so many people that are like, oh, I wish John Piper would disciple me. I'd love to, to just send, spend time with John Piper. Well, that early morning prayer meeting at Bethlehem, oftentimes I would come, and, and, and Pastor John was there with, with like two or three other people. I go, this is, this is strange. Jubilee, we have an opportunity to pray. And so I would say, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m., what a great opportunity to gather. Monday nights, come and pray with Russ and Phyllis Gregg. What an opportunity to pray that God would fill us with joy and peace in believing. Think about praying in your home in 2020. What does prayer look like in your home? If you're single, do you pray with your roommates? On a regular basis, whether it's daily or weekly, as, as a family, 
do you gather around the table, either morning or evening, to pray? Do you pray with your spouse? Do you believe we've made a covenant to one another to pray? He said, we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together nor neglect to pray for ourselves and others. So consider as 2019 turns to 2020, what will be a fresh pattern of prayer for you? Second and last application. Jubilee, let us pray as those in 2020 who are in a battle. Knowing that all is not okay and all is not automatic. What we want God to do among these nations, it's not automatic. What we need God to do among families who are doing foster care, it's not automatic. That, that each of us would live out of a truth of our identity in Christ, that's not automatic. That unbelievers would have eyes open to see the beauty of Christ, that's not automatic. So Jubilee, let's pray, knowing that we are in a battle and yet confident that the captain of the Lord of hosts is with us. Seven billion people in the world, all created by Christ, all created for Christ. He's ruling and reigning over all of them and he invites us as a few of them to come to him and be filled with joy and peace in believing.